Changed by Love is the teaching ministry of Pastor Jim Kevney of Calvary Chapel, Morris Hills in Morris County, New Jersey. Pastor Jim's desire is to teach the Word of God with passion and simplicity, as well as a direct application to our daily lives. As you know, this world is almost always in the midst of some sort of chaos. This is evident from the past and certainly evident today. Indeed, that can leave you overwhelmed and feeling there is nothing you can do to help. But God sees it differently and sees the critical role His own people play in such turbulent times. Not only can we help, but God's people are the very ones He uses to change the world. Perhaps you find that hard to believe or don't know where to begin. To learn more, let's join Pastor Jim in part one of his message, The World Needs You Right Now. Well, in case you missed it, and I'm sure you probably did, four years ago was the 100-year anniversary of the I Want You for the U.S. Army poster. (laughs) How many of you had a party that day? Just curious, any of you? No parties that day. That's the picture, the poster of Uncle Sam pointing at you. And even if you're young, I'm sure you've probably seen it. If you haven't, Google it. Uh, For what it set out to accomplish, it was an effective campaign. It was used to recruit soldiers for World War I and World War II, both time periods when the world seemed to be in complete chaos. Calling people to serve the country that they loved. Today, my prayer is that God will call all of us to the service of the kingdom which true followers of Jesus love. And if you are not a follower of Jesus, and if you're not, we're glad you're here, that you would hear God's initial call to that kingdom. We live in very uncertain times. And so today we return to our series called Venturing into the Unknown. And the title of our message is, The World Needs You Right Now. Our world, our nation, our state, our little corner of the world needs you, needs me right now. We left off about a month ago, prior to Christmas, with Abraham, who's about 100, and his wife, Sarah, is 90. They wanted to have a son, but they couldn't have one. And now we find them, they were living in a tent. That's not great conditions, living there in a tent all the time. And, uh, and a strange thing happened to them. As they're living in this tent in this strange land where they had left their comfy home to go live in this place called the promised land, they're probably thinking some promise, suddenly three visitors come upon Abraham. We know as we go throughout the passage, and we'll see it more clearly next week, that it is, one of them is the Lord taking on the form of a man, as he does sometimes in the Old Testament, and two angels And they approach Abraham, and Abraham, being a good host, invites them to stay and eat. In the course of the conversation, 
the Lord says to Abraham, hey, you know the son I promised you? I'll be back in about a year and you're going to have that child. Sarah's wife laughs. She's like, I'm too old. And you know, <laughs> it didn't matter. It didn't matter. The Lord will deliver as he promised. You know, for them, it had been about 25 years of waiting and tremendous uncertainty as they had been traipsing all around their area and finally settled into this land, the land of the Canaanites, people who didn't like them uh, at all. And and the next section shows us how the years of waiting and uncertainty actually built Abraham's faith. You know, uncertainty will do that to you. It'll either build your faith or it will kind of just, you know, take apart your faith if you allow it to. And so he was not becoming weaker. He was becoming stronger. And right now, to be perfectly honest with, with all of you, with myself, the world needs our stability, not our stupidity. The world needs us to see us as people of faith, people of confidence in our God, people of hope, not people of arguing about stupid things. And so we have to be really on our guard because the news is going to portray all the stupid Christians they can find. But yet people at ground level that we work with, that we live with, they're watching us at this time. Now, I'm not, trying to, I'm not asking you to pretend. I'm saying that if we are doing the, generally the spiritual disciplines, doesn't mean we don't have our moments, but those are the ways that God strengthens us. You're doing it right now. You're, you're listening. Well, not, not listening to me, Gab, but soon you'll be listening to the word of God. And these are the things that God uses to grow us stronger. However, we often make the huge mistake of thinking that God builds our faith just for ourselves, not realizing that while that is a component of it, he is also building our faith for the world around us. He is building our faith for others. You wonder sometimes, my friends don't seem to want to hear about my faith. They want to see it work. They, don't want, they might not, they'll, they'll, they'll hear about it after they see it working. And so today we're going to look at three different things about why our world needs us through the life of Abraham because a very wicked city by the name of Sodom needed him. We'll see next week he couldn't save them, but he sure tried. So if you're taking notes, three rather long points. Number one, the world needs your righteousness and your involvement. And it needs it when? It needs it now. Look at verse 16. Then the men rose from there and looked toward or looked down or looked over Sodom. And Abraham, notice this, went with them to send them on their way. 
And the Lord said, now I kind of think this is one of those things, you know what? People are just walking and they're, and they're talking about you like you're not there. <laughs> so the Lord's talking to the angels. Abraham's kind of traipsing along with them. I don't know for sure, but that's the way it pictures in my mind. And the Lord said, shall I hide from Abraham what I am doing? Another version says, should I hide from him what I'm about to do? I mean, Abraham is God's friend. Since Abraham shall surely, notice he says to the angels, it's going to happen. It's not like maybe. Since Abraham shall surely become a great and mighty nation, if, if that sounds familiar to you, that we covered that in chapter 12, verse 3, he shall become a great and mighty nation, and all the nations of the earth shall be blessed in him. Some of your versions say blessed through him, and ultimately through his family line, the Israelites going down to the Lord Jesus Christ. So some people would say, well, Abraham was a good host. He fed them, the visitors came, he fed them, and now he's taking them, you know, at least to the edge of his property to, to see them off to say goodbye. I think it might be better to say that Abraham walked with God. Abraham walked with God. And so as the Lord's leaving, he's walking with him, and they are walking towards Sodom. They're walking towards, the Lord and these two angels are walking towards the unbelieving world. They're walking towards what we might call a wicked city. I wonder what went through Abraham's mind. Like of all the directions they could go, why are they going towards that place? Why are they, why are they maybe even talking about that place? Back in chapter 14, when the wicked kings came and, and, and captured Lot in the city of Sodom, if you recall, Abraham had went and rescued them. His nephew Lot seemingly losing his faith. But as they're walking, the Lord says, should I let Abraham know what my plans are for the future? And again, chapter 12, verse 3, let us know that Abraham's great privilege was for him, but also more so for his children, ultimately through the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, you may wonder, are you a child of Abraham? Well, after Jesus died on the cross, rose from the dead, ascended to heaven, the apostle Paul wrote these words in Galatians 7 and 8. Just as Abraham believed God, that's Genesis 15, 6, and it was accounted to him for or as righteousness, that's the gospel. Abraham believed God. Not believed in God. Big difference. People, if you go out and you ask people who believe in God, you'll get a huge yes. But if you ask people, do you believe what God says? Well, that's a very different story. Do you trust what God says? Very different story. But Abraham believed God and it was accounted to him for righteousness. So this is the gospel thousands of years before Jesus comes. Verse 7, the Apostle Paul writes, Therefore, know that only those who are of faith, only those who've put their trust in Jesus, are the sons of Abraham. Sons and daughters of Abraham. So only the people who put their trust in 
Jesus are the heaven-bound people of God. Now, some of you would go, no, I don't believe that. You believe God, you believe in God, you don't believe God. That's what God says. But as we said before, with great privilege comes great responsibility. Verse 19 says, for I have known him. This is the Lord in, in human form talking. For I have known him. Some versions say, I have chosen him. In other words, I have made him my friend and I've chosen him to be a blessing to the nations and to the world in order that he, he may command his children and his household after him that they keep the way of the Lord to do righteousness and justice. In other words, that he's gonna, I've chosen him to teach people about right behavior and right living that the Lord may bring to Abraham what he has spoken to him. What has he spoken to him? To be a blessing to the nations and ultimately his promised son. So as they're walking, Abraham knows full well about what's going on in Sodom. He knows about the godless living that is going on there. We'll talk more about that, Lord willing, next week. Yet God reminds Abraham of why he chose Abraham. It's almost like he's saying, just forget about Sodom for a minute, Abraham. Think about why I chose you. I chose you for righteousness. I chose you because I am creating a new people. I am creating a different people. My dear Christian friend, do you, do you understand, really, seriously, do you understand that's a big reason of why you are a follower of Jesus Christ? Did you choose Jesus or did Jesus choose you? Yes. Yes. Both are true. Why did he choose you? Because he is creating new people. Not better people, new people. Different people. People who the world would say, what is up with those people? There's something about them. And notice first came grace. God doesn't say, if you behave a certain way, then I'll know you. Then I'll choose you. No. What came first was grace. I know Abraham. He's my friend. I have chosen Abraham. Not because Abraham was so great. We've seen him already be not so great. And we will see him be not so great again. This is this text, while it seems confusing, may be one of the greatest shining moments in his life, in anyone's life. However, it's very important. In our day and age, a lot of people believe in what's called cheap grace, that you just put your trust in Jesus and you go live however you want. It doesn't really matter because God is going to forgive you anyway. Is that really true? Well, that is saving grace. That is forgiving grace. 
but that is not transforming grace. So after God saves us or forgives us from the punishment from our sins, he then begins the process of sanctification, making us more like Jesus, and he does it via transforming grace. So after the grace of forgiveness, after the grace of salvation, after we obey, grace is accomplishing its goal. What's its goal? To make us more like Jesus. And what is also its goal? To create a new people. So if you just come to church, you pray a prayer, you invite Jesus into your heart, and then you go out and you live exactly the same way, what are your friends going to say about you? Same guy, same guy. Now, I had one of those radical conversions, characteristic of the late 80s, and, and one of my friends said to me, same name, same address, same social security number, everything else different. <laughs> but, but there's still fine-tuning. Ask my wife if you don't believe me. Why is she laughing? <laughs> There's still fine-tuning God is constantly doing in me and in all of us, but he is creating a new people, which includes the teaching of our children, who, like all of us, our children will have to transact with God for themselves. We can only teach them. I've said it before, I'll say it again. It's very easy to get your kids to go along with Jesus when they're young. Not so easy when they go visit Sodom. Sorry, I meant college. (laughs) Or now in the age of cell phones, when Sodom come visits them. Not that easy. Two terms that are here that are used to describe how the people of God are to live, you might want to underline in your Bible, very common Old Testament terms are keep the way of the Lord. In fact, they're in the top five or ten expressions. Keep the way of the Lord and do righteousness and justice. So we can safely assume that the people of Sodom were not doing those two things. The lifestyle of our world is in the way of Sodom. Yet God is creating a people to live in the way of the Lord, to do righteousness and justice, or as we like to say, to walk in the way of Jesus. But that is not just for our own eternal well-being, but this is the only way that Abraham and his sons and daughters, who we are if we've trusted in Jesus, It's really the only way we can bless the world is if we're walking in the way of Jesus. The only way we can bless them eternally. The good news of the gospel is if today you will turn to God, if you're not a follower of Jesus, and put your trust in Jesus, God will change your eternal destiny. He will help you change how you are living And he will do that by helping you to walk in the way of Jesus. Now, I know that today, 
over the, the hardness and difficulties of life, a lot of people have lost that vision. But when we lose that vision, walking in the way of Jesus for ourselves, it's important to understand that we've also lost it for our friends and our family and our coworkers and that world often sees that we have lost the vision to walk in the way of Jesus, they often see it that we've lost it before we see it, that we are on the downward slope. So as we come to verse 20, the Lord invites Abraham into another conversation from Abraham's righteous living and teaching his children and his people about righteous living to his involvement with the world people who are not living that way. He says, verse 20, And the Lord said, Because the outcry against Sodom and Gomorrah is great, and because their sin is very grave. Some of your verses say their sin is extremely serious. Verse 21, he says, I will go down now and see whether they have done altogether according to the outcry against it that has come to me. And if not, I will know. So God says, I've heard up in heaven an outcry from people who have been outcrying against the injustices of the people of Sodom and Gomorrah, not thankful that God saved them from the wicked kings. They're going out there doing the same thing to other people. And God says, I'm going to go down to the place and I'm going to take a look for myself. Verse 22. Then the men turned away from there and went to Sodom, went towards Sodom. But now notice this, picture the scene. But Abraham stood still before the Lord. So now Abraham and God are just standing there face to face. Now, sometimes people say, oh, there's a contradiction in the Bible. No one has seen God and lived. It says it's okay when he's taken on certain forms. So he is inviting Abraham into the process, if you will. He is inviting Abraham to get involved. He's inviting Abraham to discuss the situation and to pray, but he's also going to lead Abraham to really what looks to us like a negotiation at the flea market, which is probably one of the greater theological places in the entirety of the Old Testament. Verse 20, the Lord says, I've heard about their sin. Then he says, well, I'm going to go take a look for myself. Now you might go, doesn't God know? Of course he knows. Of course he knows. But he's teaching Abraham. So Abraham can teach it to others. And I think the point is also an example for us. God does not overreact. Sometimes we hear about the wrath of God and we're thinking, oh, God's throwing a temper tantrum. There he goes, throwing stuff all over the house, breaking things. You know, don't break that. Insurance won't cover it. You can't do that. No, God doesn't overreact. He doesn't just believe what one person says like we do without investigation into the facts. And how often people question God's judgment and actions, yet forgetting he knows all of the facts before he acts. 
And that's what's going on here. Again, Sodom had already been saved by God through Abraham when the evil kings invaded, but they had already forgotten what the Lord had done for them. It's possible the Lord is saying to Abraham, listen, man, you know what's going on, but you know what you're doing? You're avoiding it. Oh, that may have hurt some of us, right? We know what's going on, but we're avoiding the tough conversation maybe we need to have. We avoid it. That's a real look in the mirror, one for me, over last year. And so he says, you avoid it. It's too late. Now's the time for you to get involved. Now, if I could defend Abraham a little bit, I will say this, and this is a concept that's important to remember, that truly godly people are much more aware of their own sin than the sin of other people. Thanks for listening to Changed by Love with Pastor Jim Kevney of Calvary Chapel, Morris Hills in Morris County, New Jersey. Changed by Love is designed to bring you hope, encouragement, and the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Please pray with us that Changed by Love will make a profound difference in many lives. We are stronger together than we could ever be apart. Teaming together in prayer is the key to a spiritually rich life. It really does take a team of praying individuals to reach thousands. Thank you for being a part of the Change by Love support team. To find out more ways to team with Change by Love, go to our website at changedbyloveradio.org or you could call 862-217-9686. Thank you for spending time with Pastor Jim Kevney and Changed by Love.